Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, gentlemen, let's get started. We're holding in Perkei Avot, Mishnah Gimel, Perik Gimel, Mishnah Zayin. We're going to learn about two different people today and what they said. Now, the first one is a fellow whose name was Rabbi Elazar. Now, this Rabbi Elazar, in the Mishnah, he's quoted as Ish Bartota, a person from the city of Bartota. Bartota, I don't know, the city. Ish, we said already, whenever it says Ish in the Mishnayot, particularly in Rekeavot, it usually symbolizes they were a significant person, not just a regular person. Bartota is a place? Is Bartota, you know, you've heard of such a place? Else. No, it means a place. Have you heard of Bartota? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know where this place is. Maybe it means something else. No, no, it means a place. Ish Bartota, a man from Bartota. Okay. So the Kahati introduces over here this fellow. Who was, in, in history, who was he? So he was a student of Rabbi Yoshua. This is a rule for Shas, by the way. Whenever we say Rabbi Yoshua in the Mishnayot, in general, it's Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya. Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya, that's the rule generally. We just spoke about him last night, if you remember. What do you remember about Rabbi Yoshua? We just spoke about him. This morning I don't remember. No, Shema, what, what happened with him and the daughter of Caesar? Rabbi Yoshua. He got married. No, 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 come on. <laughs> Yoshua, Yoshua, we did learn that last night. Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua, remember what we said? You don't remember the oh, Gemara? That one, yeah. So what about Rabbi Yeshua that we know? He was very ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know the story, I don't remember. There you go, there you go. Okay, you remember? Uh, about the wine battle and everything. You know the yeah. story, beautiful story. So, so this Rabbi Lezer was a student of Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, and he was a friend of Rabbi Akiva. Now we're going to see in this Mishnah how much of an emphasis he put on giving tzedakah properly. And the Gemara in Tanit also actually tells us a different story about this same Tana, Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar, he didn't just teach about giving tzedakah, he was so makbed. I'm going to tell you now, before we see the Mishnah story, the Gemara tells us that whenever the Gabai Tzedakah, the one who used to collect charity, would see this Rabbi Elazar, he would run away and hide. Not Rabbi Elazar. The Gabai Tzedakah would run away and hide. Why would he run away and hide? Because he knew that if Rabbi Elazar would see him, he would give him whatever money he had, and it would make Rabbi Elazar poor. That's how extreme emphasis he put on giving Tzedakah, which is very intense. So the Gabai Tzedakah didn't want this Rabbi Elazar to go broke. So he would run away. Can you imagine today? A Gabai Tzedakah running away from It's the opposite, right? Imagine that. Imagine a Meshulach coming and he sees somebody and he knows that guy is going to give him his whole wallet. So he runs away. That, that's, a, that's a big chidush. So the Gemara says a story once that this Rabbi Elazar, he was Rabbi Elazar ben Yudah. That was actually his name. This Rabbi Elazar took money to the market and he was going to buy a Nidunya for his daughter. Nidunya means the needs for the wedding and for following the wedding for his daughter. Uh, furnitures and clothing, whatever was needed for the wedding and after. The Gabbai Tzedakah saw Rabbi Lazar walking to the market, so he ran away like he usually did and he hid himself. As he was running, Rabbi Lazar said, I, I make you swear, I, I force you to swear, what are you collecting for today? So he had to tell him. So he said, I'm collecting, there's a Yatom and a Yatoma who are getting married, uh, orphan boy and girl who are getting married, and they don't have any money. So he took all of the money that he was going to use for his own daughter, 
Rabbi Lazar, and he gave it all to the Gabbai Tzedakah. The story goes on in, in Ta'anit. Hopefully we'll get to it in the lunch and learn. It's a fascinating story. But that's the Rebbe Lazar we're about to talk about. His Hakpadan Tzedakah was so extreme, so intense, he gave everything for Tzedakah, for Hashem. So now, on that note, he tells us the following. Such a, this is such a fundamental... It's a Musar, really, but it's so fundamental, and it really, if we internalize this, very hard, but if we internalize it, change our lives. Rabbi Lazar Ish Bartota Omer, Rabbi Lazar from the place of Bartota said the following, Ten lo mishelo, give HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give to him mishelo. What does mishelo mean? No, not yours. What's his? Give him from what is his. Why? Because be'etzem, she'ata, because you and what's yours is really his. So Rabbi Lazar is teaching us is that how do you change our, how do we change our mentality, right? Very natural. We go to work, we make money, <coughs> we put it in the bank, in stocks, investments. We feel like it's our money. And then when Sakah comes along, a poor person comes along, I have to rip it away from myself and give it to somebody else. Give it to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Give it to Tzedakah. Give my truma and masrot. Give to Beit HaMikdash. Whatever it is, all the examples of giving to Hashem. But it's very hard because that's my money. I don't want to give it. So he says, no. Mishelo, that's the point. Hashem gives us money. But that's a gift from Hashem entrusted by us. It's like a picadon, basically. It's a deposit. Now, what's a deposit? Who owns a deposit? I own the deposit? No. The owner of the deposit is giving it to me for the meantime but I have to return. So how do you return? If you understand the monies that I have, the monies that I earn, this is, obviously this takes work, but if I understand the monies that I earned, if I understand that it really belongs to Hashem, so when the Ani comes along asking for money, it's not me giving my money to Him. Hashem gave me money deposited by me so that I could assist when the poor person comes along. It's giving back what belongs to Hashem in the first place. Very hard, very hard mentality because again when we go to work we feel like it's my efforts and my energies and um, you know and I sweat and blood sweat and tears I put into it in order to make that money and to be successful so then somebody comes along it is very natural you know that, that I feel like it's mine but he says no ten lo belongs to him and the Mephoshim take this even a step further it's not just talking about money it's also talking about your physicality your efforts Sometimes we think, you know, somebody needs a little bit of help. You see somebody who needs some help. Let's take an example. Uh, you're going around Erev Sukkot, and somebody, an old person lives by themselves. They need help build, building a sukkah. So you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to go out of my way, help him build the sukkah. Or the shul needs food. I'm going to go schlep over to Costco, get food for the shul. Or, that's not a financial issue as much as a physical. Do I de- so if you understand, this is a very, another step of it. Not just your monies belong to Hashem as a gift by you. Everything you have. Which means also your physicality, your energies, your mental energies, your physical energies. All of these things really, it's a, it's a matana from Hashem. It's really a gift from Hashem. So once you understand that, and again, this, is a, this, is, this, takes, this isn't like overnight, you just change. This is a high level. But if we really understand that, so when the chesed opportunity comes up, that guy needs help uh, schlepping across town for him, etc., Hashem gave me the koach to do this. Let's say, again, I have to have the time, obviously. Assuming I have the time and the energy, I'm utilizing what Hashem gave me as a gift. In the meantime, 
to help Hashem. How am I helping? Okay, by helping my friend who, who needs help. So it's the same idea, the same nikuda, both in terms of financial, the financial sense, is that the monies that I earn, it's really a gift from Hashem, Mishelo, and also in the physical sense, you assist somebody. And this it comes down also, sometimes people need a, a good word also. It's also a very big thing. You know, somebody's struggling. He doesn't need finances. He doesn't need physical help. He doesn't need, a, a, he just needs someone to talk to him. If you, let's say, let's say you have the ability, you have a keen perspective on what he's going through. Maybe you went through it. Maybe you're just a smart person. Again, Hashem gave you a certain koach. We have to utilize that ability to give back to Hashem because He gave it to me. It's not mine, Ba'etzim. It's the same idea ultimately. Obviously, it's a high level again, but that's what, that's what the Mishnah is telling us. And he brings an example from David HaMelech. We know David HaMelech did not build the Beit HaMikdash. He really wanted to build the Beit HaMikdash. For whatever reason, Hashem said, you're not going to be able to build it, but your very special son, Shlomo, he will build the Beit HaMikdash. But what did David HaMelech do? What did David HaMelech do about the Beit HaMikdash? He didn't build it. What's that? He didn't build. No, he didn't build. What he did do is he gathered all the wealth. He made sure that when Shlomo HaMelech would come along, his son after him, he'd have everything he needs to build the Beit HaMikdash. And that's what ended up happening. It's storage houses of gold and silver and metals and everything that he needed and workers and so that when Shlomo comes along, he would be able to build the Beit HaMikdash. And by the way, we actually refer to the temple as being the temple of David. Where do we say that the Beit HaMikdash is associated with David? David, why do we say Sukkot David? So one pshat they say it's referring to Malchut, but another pshat they say Sukkot David, the house of David is referring to the Beit HaMikdash. He didn't build it. Yeah, but you know what? He prepared for it. He prepared. Okay. So by David HaMelech... I'm not sure. Is it? I don't know. It's possible. I'm not sure. So in Devrei Yamim, the Pasuk tells us when he gathered all of that wealth to build the Beit HaMikdash, they turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they said, Ki kol, because everything comes from you, and from you, we're giving it back to you. Meaning, the point is, is that they understood, we're gathering all this wealth to build Beit HaMikdash and we're giving it back. It's not us giving our own money. You gave us a gift. This was a good example in history. And we're giving it back to build the Beit HaMikdash. It's a beautiful thing. This week's parasha actually talks a lot about this. We have all the whole concept of Vidui Ma'asrot in this week's parasha. The end of every third year, every Jew has to get up and say, I gave all the Ma'asrot and the Trumot, I gave it to the Kohen and the Levi and the Ani and all the people that needed to receive, I took care of it properly. It's the same idea. If to realize, really, what I'm giving, it's not me, the big Balabayit, who's giving, but Hashem gives me something as Pikadon. That's the first part of the Mishnah. Let's move on. Now this is a separate point. Some of the Girsot actually have a, this is a new, mish <coughs> new Mishnah, but in this Mishnah, in uh, this Mishnah, it's, it's one Mishnah. <coughs> now this is quoted by someone whose name is Rabbi Shimon. Some, the Kahati points out, some have the girsa that this is Rabbi Yaakov Korshai or Ben Korshi, who is the Rebbe of Rabbi Yudah Anasi, which is fascinating. We know who was Rabbi Yudah Anasi, very important person in history. What did he do? <coughs> the redactor of the Mishnayot, a very important person. That Rabbi Yudah Anasi, we, we have forgotten all the Mishnayot, possibly. He understood in his days it wasn't enough to just tell over the Mishnayot, Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud, like it always was. That's how it was supposed to be, by the way. Torah Sheba'al Peh. Ba'al Peh means 
verbal transmission. It wasn't meant to be written down. So Rabbi Yudan Asi wrote it all down, but why did he write it down? He said, Et la'asot which means what? At this time in history, I realized people's mental capacities are weaker. They were, now this is talking already, you know, 2,000 years ago almost. So we're talking about many, many years ago. Or maybe let's say 1,500 years ago. But the point is, he wrote it down. So his Rebbe is the one who's about to say this, according to some Gersot, it's Rabbi Yaakov. Who, when, what did he say? Based on what he said, I think we can understand Rabbi Yudan Asi became what he he was as a, as a student of this fellow. Now listen to this. It's probably very applicable. Someone who's traveling. Someone who's traveling on the way. And he's learning. He's learning Torah. So he's traveling on the way. He's learning Torah. And when you travel on the way, what's the mitzvah that you're yotze, you're fulfilling? What's the mitzvah when you're traveling? When you're traveling on the way. There's a mitzvah you're fulfilling when you're traveling and learning Torah. When you go on the way, discussing Torah, thinking about Torah, it's a mitzvah. So if someone's traveling on the way and he's learning Torah, he's learning Mishnayot. But he stops learning because he sees a beautiful palm tree or a beautiful field. And he says, How beautiful is this tree? How beautiful is this, uh, how beautiful is this field? He says, Look how wonderful uh, the mountains look. But he stops learning. Says Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Shimon, the pasuk considers him as if he is responsible for his own life. Even though you say how beautiful this tree God made it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So he's telling us is somebody's learning Torah, traveling on the way, and he sees that. Imagine that. A tourist comes to Miami. This is a good example. Probably it happens. We see palm trees all the time, so it doesn't phase us anymore. Comes to Miami, he's driving on the 95, and he's a very holy Jew, so he's, he's learning Mishnayot while he's driving. Beautiful. He sees a palm tree, and he turns off, turns off the recording. He looks at the palm tree. Wow, what a beautiful palm tree. How do we say How is that possible? How do we? What's the pshat? Why is he considered so there's two things over here. One, simple pshat, Chilul Hashem. He seems to say, be saying that this, this palm is tree important. is more important than the Torah that I was learning. Ah, so, really. you praise Hashem for that. Even yeah. so, learning Torah is, is yeah. much higher level. So to equate them or to say I'm going to stop learning in order to look at the beauty of nature, that's step number one. The second step, they say, is like this. We know that the Torah is the tree of life, which means when we're learning Torah, we're connected to life. When he stops learning Torah, what is he doing? He's disconnecting himself from Chayim. Meaning when you disconnect from life, then what are you connected to? It's the natural reality. We'll finish off with this. I think this is it's a very powerful statement. Okay, we're not obviously, we're not Sharet, we're not angels, obviously. So sometimes we're learning and we get interrupted. But it is very important when we are learning, actually, to make sure to the best of our abilities that we don't cut off our learning, especially for things that are not important. Sometimes we need to, we need to, it's okay. You see, you see. But you see, because that's Chilul Hashem, it shows, no, my learning's not so important to me. Chilul Hashem, that's Chas V'Shalom. And also, 
another way is because I'm disconnecting from the source of life, from learning Torah. I was just thinking, if this Rabbi Yaakov who said this over was the Rebbe of Rabbi Yudanasi, we could appreciate maybe why Rabbi Yudanasi perhaps became what he was in a certain way. He had a Rebbe who understood such a serious focus on Torah learning, such a serious focus in the study of Torah. It's, it's the very essence of life itself, and you stop for a minute, you're disconnecting. So maybe that's why Rabbi Yudanasi became the great Rabbi Yudanasi that we know, because he had a Rebbe like that. Maybe that's it. We'll stop here, God willing. Pick up with Mishnachet tomorrow. Everyone have a great day.